Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well met, fellow adventurers. This time, I'm going to be doing a quest called The Arrival, which is in Trindmore in southeast Telsa. Now, this quest was unlocked... No, wait. An arrival, that is. This quest was unlocked when I finished Proving Ground 6. So it's likely to be a fairly difficult quest. Although not necessarily. Sometimes you have easier quests that follow on harder for harder ones. Because that's just what happens sometimes. There's a few other adventures here, but I will start with it. And also, it might be in some way linked to the return to Sangard Island. Well, apparently, it, it all begins again. But hopefully, Thane Thorlan will be able to better counter the dark stuff that's going on than Thane Mazabak could. At the very least, because she's allied with Thane Potland, so she doesn't so she can, you know focus the might of two Thanes on the problem. And really, I mean if two Thanes and me can't deal with something, that thing probably doesn't exist. Late one afternoon, on an empty stretch of road south of Twindmore. We begin. A sunny afternoon in early autumn finds you trekking west along a deserted stretch of road south and east of the city of Twindmore. Since passing a laden coach that was heading the opposite direction nearly two hours ago, encountered no other travellers as you continue to follow the lonely woodland lane. As you approach a sign that indicates the main highway leading north into Trimadar, it's two miles ahead, you suddenly become aware of a sharp crackle of energy from somewhere in the forest to the south. Standing at the sign, you listen. The crackling sound echoes through the thick belt of trees that runs up to the southern edge of the road. The singular sound Indicative, 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 indicative of magic use bestows upon you a growing sense of unease. Without a second thought, and with your every sense alert for the first sign of possible danger, you plunge into the forest south of the world in search of the source of the unnerving sound. Less than 50 yards south of the road, the edge of the thicker region of the wood, you discover the source of the sound. Hovering inches off the forest floor, its sharp crackling 
Echoing off the surrounding trees is an energy-rimmed portal. The portal is slowly closing, though it looks, still looks large enough for someone, so something quite sizable to pass through. Standing to the right of her shrinking gate, her long, dark hair tied into a single braid, is a young woman clad in a studded leather waistcoat. Slung across her back is a short sword. Three daggers hang from the thick belt that encircles her waist. First, she appears not to notice you. She fiddles with her bird-shaped amulet that that dangles from a leather cord around her neck. But she should at least looks up and smiles as, as you make your presence known. Though you can't seem to recall anything tangible, you're certainly struck by the haunting notion. This is not the first time you've seen her face. Something quite terrible is coming through the gate, she says. Her voice is eerily reminiscent as her face, as she sighs and shakes her head. I did what I could, but Figmorak, the destroyer, hasn't earned his title for nothing. He's wounded and angry, but I can't afford to spend any more time and energy on him. If this were my time and place... Assuming it's yours. I'd rather he didn't establish himself in it. That portal will close, but I don't think it will do so quick enough to shut him out. In fact, I know it won't. Perplexed by the encounter, particularly the young woman's rather vague account of what seems to be an imminent and deadly threat, you ask her who she is, what she's talking about. Response, she shrugs and throws up her hands. If there were time... I'd be happy to tell you, she says. But there simply isn't. Keep an eye on that gate. Unless you'd rather be a hasty retreat. In which case, I wouldn't waste even a few more moments here. With that, the young woman bows, turns, and strides off in the direction of the road, vanishing into a cloud of silver sparkles as she goes. In a matter of seconds, she has disappeared completely leaving you alone in front of the shrinking portal. A glossal snarl snails out of the spinning core of the energy wind gate. With your heart pounding, you turn and assume a defensive stance a few yards back from the crackling energy wind portal. With every muscle tensed, you boldly await whatever is about to emerge from the gate. Seconds later, a deafening bellow erupts from the core of the swinging portal as a towering, grey-skinned, two-headed ogre bursts out of the churning vortex. The hulking creature, easily nine feet tall, turns and stomps towards you, brandishing two large spike clubs in its broad, broad, thick-fingered hands. Realising immediately that this fearsome beast must be who the young woman referred to as Figamok the Destroyer, you take a step back and renew your combat-ready stance. The two-headed ogre, its torso riddled with char, with charred, smouldering patches of flesh, the obvious remnants of a recent fiery attack, snarls as he closes in on you. So I could flee, but I can't. Let, I can't let this thing run amok. 
So obviously, I'm going to hold my ground and engage the two-headed ogre. I mean, I've dealt with the Elder Thrones. I'm not afraid of any figure mark the destroyer. With his savage bellows rising through the trees, the two-headed ogre stomps forward and attacks, striking out at you with both of his massive spike clubs. Now, I could quick combat this, but I want to see what his attacks look like. So I'm going to wake you to combat. The two-headed ogre swipes at you with both of his spiked clubs. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 19 damage. And then another one for 29 damage. Another one for 29, and then 22, and then 30. Gonna have to do a bit of healing. Bit of... Yeah! Quickstone! Stop devastating blowing me! Okay, anyway, he is slain. He is slain. 266 combat XP. And then 256 reg general XP. Figglemark's gruesome death tie echoes throughout the forest as the towering two-headed ogre collapses into a bloodied heap at your feet. The fearsome terror, his massive hands now too weak to attain their grip on his spike clubs, draw several wagged, gasping breasts before a last expiring. A quick search of the ogre's corp reveals nothing of any interest or value, and his clubs prove far too heavy for you to either wield or carry. As you step back from his remains, you turn your attention to the closing portal. The LEDU wind portal is, st is steadily shrinking. Despite the obvious peril inherent in such a notion, none of you might be able to step through the magical gate and safely return before it completely closes. And what might await you on the other side? Hmm. Well, I have this. I have this strange compulsion. If I see a portal, I step into it. It's it's probably going to end badly for me at some point. Because pe cause, I mean, the people who hate me know about this, should figure this compulsion out. I should say, just gate me on top of an active volcano. Or gate me at the bottom of the sea. Or gate me into outer space. Or gate me into the stomach of a dragon. Or just gate me just really, really high up. Or fight me in a desert climate and then gate, gate me into the middle of a, of a frozen wasteland. Or vice versa. Plenty of ways they could use that against me. But... Nevertheless, if I don't step into the portal, I will always be wondering what could have been on the other side. So I'm stepping in. You step into the portal, become immediately disorientated, as you pitch headlong into a grim, lightless void. Suddenly, the blackness that surrounds you melts away, 
and you find yourself standing in the midst of a vast windset plain. The grassy expanse stretches out in all directions until it meets a shimmering horizon at the edge of your sight, despite the fierce wind that tears across the plain. The air here is unbearably hot. A thick ceiling of grey clouds churns overhead. Scattered across the plain in front of you, their badly charred, still smouldering remains, reeking of death, or at least four dozen slain ogres, several of them two-headed. But you begin to understand the earnestness of the young woman's flight from this unknown realm, and the source of her savage pursuer's wage. A sharp, crackling sound from behind causes you to glance back at the portal just behind you. The energy wind gate continues to shrink, realising that you have only a few moments. You take a quick search for some of the nearby of some of the nearby ogre corpses. Among the gruesome remains, you discover a small, sparkling spit. Bit. Believing the item may have some value, you immediately take possession of it. It's a sparkling crystal spear. You discovered this sparkling spear of crystal near the charred body of a slain ogre in an unknown realm you visited by stepping into an energy wind portal. It's got an encumbrance of one, so I should do whatever I want to do with it quickly because it's taking up, taking up space that I could put things I could sell in. In. With the portal now half the size it was only a minute ago, you turn and step back into the magical gate. An unsettling, disorientation sensation washes over you as you step through the energy wind portal. For a moment, you lose all sense of time and place as you plummet into a light, lightless void. Then suddenly, the darkness lifts and the sensation abruptly departs. You're once again standing in the forest, several yards away from the twisted, unmoving remains of the two-headed ogre. With a final, sharp crackle of energy, the portal closes. After spending a few minutes checking over your gear, you leave the woods and return to the road, still perplexed by the strange events that interrupted the last leg of your journey to Trimador. As the road you've been following joins a larger and more well-travelled highway leading to Trimador, you continue to pour out details of the strange and dangerous episode in the forest, despite being unable to have and fathom how it is you could know the old woman who presumably opened the portal for which she and the two-headed ogre arrived. You're again struck by the haunting, unshakable feeling. This is not the first time you've laid eyes upon her. Something inexplicable tells you it won't be the last time you meet. That finishes this little adventure with 1,024 experience to general. Now, I've just got that sparkling spear. It's an oddity. And when you find an oddity, there's one guy who likes them, and that's Tibbercliff. Show him some of my items. 
Sparkling Crystal Spear. Use. Timberkiff's eyes widen slightly as you produce the Crystal Spear. He studies it carefully for a few moments and then nods. He tells you he'll give you two adventurer tokens for it. Okay, there we are. Timberkiff promptly hands you two adventurer tokens and takes possession of the Sparkling Crystal Spear. Quite interesting, he says, examining the spear closely. Thank you for bringing it to me. Okay. And there. Now, up next, might as well do back to Twimador. Because there's more things to do there. And that, that episode on its own wasn't really long enough for an for an entire episode. So, there's another adventure here called Dusk in Twimbed. In Twindwar. A clattering coin on the cobbled walk ahead and the sound of a single step from behind. Start the adventure. Embark on this adventure. Each year, the Carnival of Autumn descends on Twimbledore like a whirlwind. Coloured banners decorate the streets as the city's main square pays host to a grand fair celebrating the harvest. For nearly a week, the city seems to shake off the persuasive chill and drab melancholy of the surrounding moor and vividly come to life. Farmers, artisans, entertainers, merchants and the like all converge on the city, eager to place their wares and services before the cloud, before the eyes of the teeming throng, the festivities attracts. This year's harvest was exceptionally bountiful, and the good fortune of the farmers, whose well-worked tracks dot the moor around, all around the city, spilled over, spilled over into the celebration. Mason making it one of the more memorable and profitable carnivals in over a decade. You passed into Trimador just as the carnival was drawing to a close. After having stirred up the city for the better part of a week, those who came from afar to, take, to partake in trade and revelry have at last made their way out of the city, headed for home. As you strolled through what remained of the fair's main market, you met by a man by the name of Pyrrhus, recognised you and seemed to know all about your more prolific adventures. I've something I wish to show you, he said, lowering his voice and stepping away from the crowd gathered before the line of wooden ta tables displaying his collection of oddities for sale. I cannot show you here, so too many eyes about. You, you will want to see what it is, and that, I can assure you, to meet me just asked of dusk in Way Waymark's tavern up in the north end. I'll bring you with me. Most certainly something worthy of the attention. Well, you're initially sceptical of Printwell, believing he was just looking to try and cheat you out of some gold. Decided you would at least tune in to see what he had to show you. It's for that very reason that dusk finds you moving north through the city. On your way to Waymark's tavern, all the while, hoping the man named Finmore is not wasting your time. 
As you pass into the city's northern district, a chill wind sweeps along the wild thoroughfare. Why do you that autumn has arrived, and winter is not far off? After taking a group of you to ask a group of youths to point you in the direction of the tavern, you turn onto a wide avenue running east. What you've been told, the tavern sits at the very end of the lane. You've only just started along the road, along the broad, deserted avenue that runs up towards the tavern, when suddenly a single gold token clatters onto the cobblestones a few paces ahead as you stand musing over the strange occurrence, the soft, almost inaudible sound of a single footfall from behind reaches your ears. Your pulse wakes as you realise the coin was a diversion, for whatever is now swiftly moving up on you from behind. Pick a number. Bonus of 49. 20 from agility, 10 from luck, 19 from non-armed combat. We'll see what happens. 97. You duck and roll to your left, narrowly avoiding the shrieking blade of, your, of a knife. Your unknown assailant, his face shadowed by the hood that drops over his head, stands less than ten feet from you, clutching a long-bladed knife. You spring to your feet and assume a defensive stance. Suddenly, the man turns and runs off, ducking into a wide alley on the right side of the street. Chase after the hooded assailant! You give checks, running hard at the heels of the hooded man as he bolts along the wide alley. You're nearly close enough to grab him when he suddenly drops out of sight, only two steps ahead of you. The last possible moment, you spot the open sewer grate and bring yourself to a precarious stop at the edge of the shadowy pit. Leaning forward, you peer down into the darkness. About ten feet below, you can make out the shallow, sluggish flow of of a sewer channel. Oh no. Pursue him into the sewer, of course, when I could just stop, but he tried to kill me. And it was an unexpected trying to kill me. So, I've got to find out who he works for. And will he attack again? And will other people attack again? And who and who I have to end and who I have to smite with my shimmering silver mace pursuing to the sewer. You drop down into the sewer and land with a splash in a knee deep channel of sluggish, churning, putrid water. With only the thin, pale light of dust sweeping in from above, the sewer passage is heavily cloaked in gloom. Assuming a defensive stance, you you carefully peer into the dark as you attempt to locate your hooded assailant. Nothing stirs along the length of the grimy corridor. Got a few options. Climb out of the sewer and abandon your hunt. Nope, nope, not doing that. Just search the passage myself. Or I could use shadow magic, divination or feathery to give me some clues. I will use shadow magic. 
it succeeded. 8 XP to shadow magic. Faint whispers fill your head as you call upon your power of shadow magic in an effort to determine the location of your hidden foe. The whispers rise in pitch and suddenly you can hear them, turning you to peer to your left. There, the deep gloom, pressed up against one of the stone arches that support the passage, you spot the man. With no desire to let to let on you know where he's hiding, you look away as you hurriedly contemplate your next move against the hooded adversary. Without warning, you turn and spring towards your hooded assailant, hoping to gain the element of surprise. Pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility, 10 from body and 10 from luck. Pick now. 108. The speed and ferocity of your attack catches your foe off guard and gains you the element of surprise. You are now engaged in a fight for your life against against your hooded knife-wielding assailant. It's a hooded assailant. He is surprised. Now, do I kill him? Or do I subdue him? I have to subdue him, because I've got to know who, if anyone, sent him. The hooded man strikes out at you with his long, curved knife. I mean, man, if I bear a grudge over everyone who tried to kill me, I'd never get anything done. Uh, strikes some more. Some more striking. Down he goes. 3xp. Your final blow sends the battered man running for his life. He bolts along the sewer corridor and is soon lost from view in the deep gloom at the edge of your sight. You would hope to question about the reason behind his attack on you. For the moment, you, you remain satisfied to have survived it. The answer to your question, however, arrives in the form of an eerily familiar voice. How nice that our paths have again crossed, issues the soft but sinister voice from the shadows. Though you can't immediately place the voice, it is hauntingly familiar. Have you forgotten me already? Haven't been dead all that long. Then to think of it, I haven't quite been dead yet. A tall, thin figure steps out into the view of gloom. The edge of the sewer channel, ten yards from you. The man, his face shadowed by the wide brim, the grimy leather hat that adorns his head, bows deeply and grins. Such compassion is admirable, particularly for one who prizes honour and keeps company with his stewards, he says, sneering. That miserable watch you send scuttling is just a lowly street thief. The city works crawls with them. Hardly worth the time, folks like us. How is our dear friend the Thane these days? I shall make a point of stopping in to come and see him in these coming months. Of course it will be as he sleeps. I have much doubt that he would wish to be awake for what I've got planned for him. But enough about that fortress coward. 
our business comes first. Perhaps you don't recall our previous meeting. It's used the sinister voice of the tall, lanky figure. Though might, I should like to help you to remember that afternoon, for it is still very fresh in my mind. You have no doubt that the hatted man standing before you is Ildrin Southwaller, those infamous moniker, the Phantom Assassin, has been known to strike fear even into even the most hardened of hearts. Until now, he believed he was dead. By your hand! But the voice of the man speaking to you is one you've heard only once before. Have never seen my face, he says, continuing his mouth barely visible beneath the long shadow cast by his wide brimmed leather hat. But the horror to think you ran back to the fame, singing of your triumph, gloating over your victory, dancing over my death, as you can see. You celebrated, perhaps, just a bit too soon. Not quite sure how to react to this sudden turn of events. You challenged a man's assertion he is indeed the Phantom Assassin. I'll play no such game with you, he scoffs. I could see by your eyes you know who I am. I have been busy these last few seasons with little time to fret over the worm that wiggled away. There was other business to attend to, and and how better to attend to it than to do so while those who had walked me to the gallows believe I am already dead. For that, I owe you a debt of gratitude, friend, though I will warn you that, that there, shall the pleasantries cease. You promptly and defiantly tell the assassin you are no friend of his, which elicits a chilling laugh from the legendary slayer of men. Here is a small trinket for your consideration. Friend Zoop, he says, snickering, as he tosses a small, thin object into the murky water swirling about your knees. The item sinks beneath the water and suddenly bobs to your surface. Your heart skips a beat when you suddenly realise what it is you're staring at. It is a severed human finger. Ildurin snickers as you gaze down in horror at the finger floating before you in the murky, churning water of the sewer channel. Are all those you know and care about well and accounted for? He says, the very tone of his voice, sending a chill the length of your spine. The world remains a dangerous place, Soup. My best advice to you is to keep a careful watch over all though over those who wish to remain safe. Although the finger is certainly real, you sense that the notion it belongs to someone you know and care about 
It's a fabrication designed to elicit an emotional response. You refuse to give the ghoulish assassin any such pleasure. In a calm but firm voice, you demand to know those finger he presented to you. The assassin laughs. You needn't worry over it, he says, his voice trailing away to an unpleasant grumble. If I were you, I'd be less concerned about those fingers his, and more concerned about keeping your own head, which I would very much like to stake to the gates of Twin Keep. Of course, it might spoil on the trip back, which I suppose would give our good fame an even better start. With that, Idwin does something that surprises you. Idwin turns his back to you and stretches his arms towards the walls of the passage. He slowly rotates his hands, apparently showing he's unarmed. Now is your chance. He says, his head turned away from you. I defy you to finish that for which you have already falsely accepted glory. You immediately sense a trap. Okay, can you use divination? I mean, is there a trap? There's a trap, but will the trap stop me? Divination. You're able to sense that Edwin is hoping you will attack him. Okay, you know what? I'm just so angry at this guy. I'll just take whatever trap he throws at me. If, if I step on a snare, I step on a snare. If I set off some poison, I step off some poison. If kinds of energy smack into me, I will just tank it and get at him. Wash at Idrim and attack him from behind. You bound forward, taking long, leaping strides along the sewer corridor, hoping to reach your enemy before he has a chance to react. Pick a number. Bonus of 69. 20 from agility. 20 from body. 10 from luck. And 19 from thievery. Pick now. 80. The speed of your attack appears to have taken Ildrum by surprise. Before he can turn to face you, you dealt him two solid bow blows that send him sprawling face first into the murky, churning water of the sewer, sewer passage. Living up to his slippery reputation, however, the attraction quickly slides along the channel bed, avoiding your follow-up attack, and springs quickly to his feet. Edwin smiles and bows, bows deeply, for he never allows to knows his eyes to stray from you. I was content to let you be, he says in his sinister tone, and let it not be forgotten that it was you who first chose to hunt me. I shall stalk you until your every step breeds terror in your heart, and your every waking moment is wild with fear. If you ever get out of this, this hold alive, you will, you will see me in every shadow, 
Find me in every unfamiliar face and hear me in every mis whisper. Never will I be more than a breath away. Without warning, the assassin draws a short-bladed knife and hurls the weapon in your direction. Much to your surprise, the knife sails wide of you by several feet and strikes a length of iron protruding from the sewer wall, a lever. A slight groan from above is your only warning. You cast your gaze to the ceiling and are horrified to see the sharp ends of a broad iron percolis dropping on you. Dropping on you from out of the shadows overhead. I mean, how did he plan that? I mean, was he just ad-libbing? I mean, he just looked like the sort of person who can plan on the fly. Yes, but still. I mean, that's really a coincidence. I just happened to be exactly under a, a pointy, pointy porcolis. Right, pick a number. Bonus of 30. 20 from agility, 10 from luck. Let's see what happens. 55. You leap back, dodging the falling porcolis by mere inches. The heavy iron gate slams into the floor of the sewer tunnel sending a small tremor along the length of the corridor. Thankful to be alive, you hastily return your gaze to where your foe last stood, only to find yourself staring along a deserted length of passage. You make a quick search of the passage, but find no trace of the elusive assassin. With your every sense alert for the first sign of peril, you make your way back along the tunnel to where the dim light of the outside world of dusk pours down in, onto this dank fetid corridor to taking one last look around you climb up and out to the sewer as you make your way back along the alley towards the street your mind churns with thoughts of the unsettling encounter you can't help but wonder when and where you will next encounter the fearsome assassin. You're all but certain you haven't seen the last of him. As you step out the ally and onto the street, a chill wind surging past, prompting you to hasten along towards Waymark's tavern, which now looms into view ahead. For nearly an hour, you linger about the town, warming yourself by the fire, enjoying the thick, creamy air that has made Wailmot's Wailmark's Tavern a favourite haunt for many, while you wait for Finwell to arrive. He never does. At last, dusk giving way to the edge of night, and having given up all hope of meeting with, with Finwell, you make your way out of the tavern, and warily step to the shadowy streets of the Moorland City. That finishes this adventure for 128 experience to general. Alright. The Assassin lives. And while I don't know what he's going to do next, I, it's not going to be good. So one more, there's one more little adventure here. It's called 
at Forest Edge. Captain Tromwed's voice thunders through the crisp morning air, beseeching his men to retreat and hold the crumbling wall of the ruined fort. Start the adventure. Hold it from what, though? The edge of Fernpath Wood, south of Twindmore, near the ruins of an ancient fort. The soldiers around you suddenly fall back, bearing their wounded comrades to safety, as Captain Tromwed's voice thunders through the crisp morning air, beseeching his men to retreat into the crumbling wall of the ruined fort. The Tyson Field Captain, those brass de Lima and laudable bravery, has long served to win him the respect of those under his command, moves up to your side, acknowledging you with a respectful nod and an ill-tempered grunt. Not far away at the forest edge, the towering Dormuk and his lesser kin continue to advance on the outpost for a woken wage. A fit wage, a fearsome spectacle. Eleven men down, but none of them dead, says the aging captain, nearly breathless, for the unexpected skirmish with the foul tree creatures, and a subcrescent and desperate retreat. If we could chop down the big one, it might scatter the rest of them. We can't let them reach the outpost. As the fourteen Domok continue their slow, steady trek towards the wounds of the ancient fort, your mind races. Captain Domwed's bold notion is sound. Killing or driving back the massive Domok would likely shatter the morale of the lesser tree beings. However, attempting to do so would require wading into the ways taught and inviting a potentially deadly Prospect, I'd felled beasts worse than that old woot. Back grasped the captain, doing his best to conceal his fatigue. You draw the little ones off my men. Off, and my men and I, you draw the little ones off, and the men and I will see to the big ones. Despite his bravado, you're certain the captain is no shape to tackle even one of the smaller dumbbells much less, less the fearsome Benamoth around which the tree creatures have rallied. Since arriving at the outpost, intent on hoping this, the soldiers stationed here rebuild a crumbling wall, you've learned that Captain Trudder is both a skilled warrior and a scute tactician, the white-haired commander, a decorated veteran of countless goblin conflicts along the eastern Tyson border, has yet to admit that time is catching up with him. Ca Captain Trubuck repeats what he said only moments ago, telling you that if you can draw away the smaller Dobbuck, 13 of them, he and his men will attack the towering leader of the three creatures. A group of five soldiers among the captain's best fighters arrive at his side, their blades drawn and their uneasy gaze fixed on the advancing dog. Hmm. I really wouldn't use swords against a tree being. I use an axe, because... Swords, there's no fleshy bits to get into. 
it's all hard. It's all about hacking. Or fire. Probably fire, actually. You consider your options for just another moment before telling the captain the plan of action you have in mind. So I've got three options, but one of them is say you'd rather get or not get involved, so obviously I'm not doing that. So I can agree to lure away the lesser Dormuk, or tell him you'll engage the massive Dormuk alone. I think... I think I, I think the massive Dormuk seems more like it's more likely that that one will actually kill people if they go after it. So I'll engage with that one. The captain seems reluctant to allow you to confront Dormuk leader on your own, but he ultimately abandons the opposition, saying he sees the sense in your plan. You know your own own ability well enough, he says. All right. We'll see what we can do to draw off the others and leave the big one to you. I count 14 of them. That should keep us busy enough, right then? No delay, no quarter. With that, you boldly make your way towards the forest edge. Following at the heels of Captain Trumwed's troop, your gaze fixed on the Grim Legion, now fully emerged from the woods' sprawling shadow. You watch as Tamik Captain Trumwed and his intrepid warriors break into a charge, assaulting the flank of the Dormok Legion, drawing the ire and full attention of the wicked tree creatures, as the lesser Dormok peel away from their towering leader, now single-mindedly focused on pursuing the captain and his men. You rush forward, determined to bring down the ancient tower, the massive Dormok, branches clattering wildly, turns its true glaze upon you and moves to meet your attack. I am fighting the ancient Dormuk. It's very large and it's a tree. Oh, I, I can subdue this tree. Well, I'm going to give that a go. I mean, I mean, I mean, the only thing is, anything a tree that's as big as this is really, really old. And you have to respect your elders, even if they are big, angry trees. The ancient Dobbuck swipes at you with a broad limb. Keep swiping, and I keep swinging. Oh, I just go into battle rage. Yeah, why are we even attacking this place? I mean, it's not like we're chopping down trees. We're just trying to rebuild a fort. Yeah. What's your deal? Yeah. You're so angry. The ancient Dormak, you keep swiping. It's a pretty tough, tough thing. This is to be expected, considering it's a big old tree. And it is subdued. 5xp. With several of its larger limbs scattered across the ground, the mighty Dombok releases a final, deafening bellow before swiftly retreating towards the edge of the forest. You cast your gaze in the direction of Tactin Trumred, and his men are elated to discover the retreat of the ancient Dombok 
has had a profound effect on the morale of its lesser kin. No longer in pursuit of the soldiers, the horde of Domok is following after its departing leader. The tree creatures reach the wood and quickly dis- and swiftly disappear into the dense foliage. Which is very easy to do when you are also a tree. I mean, all you have to do is just close your eyes. And no one can tell you're actually an evil living tree. Oh yeah, and, and not move about. I mean, that kind of gives it away. I mean, a little movement you can put like, put down to the wind. But, you know, once it starts chasing after you, and going, you go, wait a minute, you're not a regular tree, you're a Dormuk. Foiled. <laughs> Ah, you caught me. Now I have to snap all the all the bones in your body and grind you into fertiliser. Yeah. Oh, well. That's what trees say when you catch them. <laughs> the tree creep. Yep, and there they go. Within just a few minutes, Captain Dormer and his men join you at the spot upon which you battled the ancient Dormer. The captain, his face flushed and his breathing deep and irregular, stakes his sword into the earth and leads on it, its hands gripping its broad pommel as he struggles to recover from the endeavour that's left him thoroughly spent. Despite a smattering of scrapes and bruises, neither he nor any of the five soldiers with him sustained any serious injuries. We... I ought to know a little better, he says. He smiles, gaping. Leave that sort of work to the lads whose legs can bear. No, no. Stop fretting over me. This old doll's got something left somewhere. After sending his men back to the outpost, Captain Trumpwed stands at your side, staring at the edge of the distant forest. He sighs and shakes his head. Sad, really. When you think of it, he says, there shouldn't be any reason we couldn't have some sort of understanding with a, with these beasts. A shame, I dare say. But they're not quite like their more amiable kin, are they? There's a link here. That's the Domu, who are an ancient, ancient tree beings not commonly seen in Swift for many centuries. These Domu who remain a sly, reclusive creatures. You choose to avoid the world, just changing around you. Dobbles are exact replicas of large hardwoods, and with their eyes and mouth closed, it's impossible to tell them apart from other trees in the forest. Dobbles can move very slowly, if needed, but they usually choose to set their roots into the ground and stay in the same place for many years. If angered or threatened, a Dombu will attack but would prefer to stay hidden and let trouble pass them by. If you can imagine a full-sized maple grappling of you, you might think it might be wise to leave Domus to themselves. Well, that's something beyond what we be mortals are capable of, isn't it? I have to say that is. I'll have to say that it is. 
let's head back. Three days later, the original objective of your visit to Outpost has been achieved. A rebuilt, fully intact wall now surrounds the crumbling fort, providing the garrison that will be stationed here with some degree of protection against the merry perils it might expect to encounter in this wide region. With your thoughts already bent on finding your next adventure, you take your leave of Captain Trobod and his rugged troop. The captain walks with you to the edge of the road that passes within a hundred yards of the outpost. There, he meets you in the shoulder cross and bids you farewell. I like to think we'll cross paths again, he says. Foo, like you, not one for saying, saying, saying put anywhere for very long. Who's to say? We just have to leave that to fate, I suppose. Stay strong, and good luck to you. After heading along the road away from the outpost for several minutes, you turn, turn and look back at the crumbling fort and catch a final glimpse of Captain Trumred as his distant figure, figure slits behind a stone-crowned rampart and is lost from view. That finishes this little adventure for 1,024 experience to general. And there... And that's, that's enough for today. Going to save now. So, for next time, next time. What will we do next time? Maybe I'll go to... I'll go to Tarn. Next time I'll go to Tarn. There's a couple of new things there. Once again, I'll, I want it like I did the Axe Path one. Where I'll do, where when I'm doing things I've done before, we'll just skip. I'll skip past them, and I'll only record the new stuff. So I'll probably record me trying to do that. To do that check with the pillar and the Arcania and something like that. Well, I failed the first time. It might be that, but then again, I could have another idea. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.